I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and my co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? Doing great. You're doing great. I I enjoy these. I have so much fun on a podcast and (laughs) our prayer is that people enjoy the conversations as much as we do. That is very true. And if you are a new listener, you can find new episodes, new guests, new conversations every Monday morning. Start your week off strong, right? Start your week off strong. We've already been doing this for over 100 episodes, over two years. Two years, bonkers. And God has showed up literally in every single conversation and just blessed every single one of the listeners and guests that we've had on. So thank you for rating, subscribing, reviewing, and sharing. Um, this helps us get to more listeners and gets a message out into the hands of the world in the name of Jesus Christ. So Josiah, I don't want to take any more time because we have an awesome returning guest. You've been thrilled about this since oh you gosh. found out about yes. it. Not only the first time, but the second time for the guest who's just tuning in, who is our returner today? We, um, it's it's actually very rare that we have somebody back and we I think we need to do more of it. But today <laughs> we're joined again by Addison Bevere. Addison, how are you? Doing well, man. It's so good to be here. So good to be here. Just Sia Micah. Thank you for having me on again. Our yes, joy. Thanks for saying yes. And it's yeah. a real blessing. Real blessing. And if you're newer to the name Addison Bevere, he's the author of the book Saints, Becoming More Than Air Quotes Christians. Um, we had him on for that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a book that offers a fresh perspective on what it means to follow Jesus in our post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and his wife, Julie, and their four children are amazing. Um, he serves as COO of Messenger International, as well as uh, co-founder of a great international young adult ministry called sonsanddaughters.tv and author, pastor, speaker. And Addison, can you just do this? Can you just catch us up? You were last on in February, 2020. Okay. Pre-pandemic. Can you just catch us up on like the past year and a half of what's your like since then? Man, what has my life been like over the last year and a half? Well, I got COVID. I did that, navigated that. Um, It it was (laughs) for me, it was hard. 10 days of quarantine in the basement for him. I didn't know if he was going to come out because of he's never, <laughs> you want to kill an extrovert. You put him in the basement, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm more, I'm more of an introvert. So for me, it was, okay, hey, this is, this is all right. I can manage this. Um, I've heard that the introverts, they're kind of rebelling against the idea of uh, moving back into a normal work environment. They're all great with still working <laughs> from home and that new work reality. And I, I can definitely relate to that um, in some respects. So we're actually moving um, in the process of moving. God did some incredible things in our hearts and launched a move uh, over the last 18 months. So that was pretty incredible. We sold our house of seven and a half years, um, leaving Colorado Springs. I've been here for 22 years. Wow. So this, this definitely feels like home. So it's a major transition. Man, I feel like so much has happened over the last 20 months. Y'all, I don't know. That's a, that's a great, that's a great question. I would say the big thing for me, um, was sharing a book with the world for the first time too. That was, that was different. It's, uh, it's vulnerable and putting a book out there right before the pandemic and then having book tours and all that kind of stuff canceled because people just weren't doing that anymore. Um, it was a lot, it was a lot to navigate, but it was really good. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the time with the family, got closer with the family during the pandemic. And I think also for all of us, um, it was a season of perspective. I think all of us found a new perspective um, during COVID, regardless of where you fall. Um, I think it was a season for all of us to realize, you know what, we do see in part, we know in part, we need to live with our eyes open and our ears open and be aware of what's happening in this earth and in tune with the spirit of God. And I would say that happened to me personally in a profound way. Um, Also organizationally, we got to lean into some special things over the last season. We're doing some um, new initiatives and services to to reach the nations. It's it's very exciting. I love it, Addison. We've chatted, and I consider you yeah. a friend. Like we consider you a friend, and just grateful to have some of your time to. Come on, man. I feel the same way. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that I'd love to kick us off and have you dive in with is to have you share a little bit about the journey of sons and daughters, specifically this ministry that God's using to impact young adults internationally. This is an international young adult ministry and awesome. we're really excited about it and we'll talk more about it, but we kind of want to hear the journey from you. Yeah. How it all came about. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of an interesting story. So my brother, youngest brother, I have three brothers. My youngest brother came back from Australia. He was um, at Bible school down in Australia, Hillsong College, came back and just had this desire to do something for youth and young adults. And he knew it was supposed to be unconventional. Mm -hmm. um, he had a passion to see his generation reconnect with the adventure um, that God calls us toward. He's seen a lot of his friends become disillusioned with the church, disillusioned yeah. with God. And he's like, I just feel like we're missing it. I feel like we're not capturing the beauty and the wonder and the power of what it means to be the sons and daughters of God. And so he came back and he was a bit restless because he had this vision in his heart. And he's like, what does this look like? Does this mean I start the church? Does this mean I go become a youth pastor? Like, what are the next steps? And it was, it was really special. We were all in a room together. And I was looking around the room and I just asked the group, the brothers, I was like, guys, what do we have that's unique to us? I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there. There's a lot of good works. I'm like, what is unique to us? And we kind of started talking about that. And I, I was like, we're brothers. Like, we're, we're brothers. We love each other. And we love doing this with each other. And I said, we, we can do life in a way where it's not competitive. And that's very unusual. Wow. I'm like, what if, what if we launched a collective, what if we launched a collective that embodied those values, a collective that was birthed in order not to promote a single individual, but to us, but to create something that could be given away to a generation or multiple generations. And so we started talking about what that could look like. And then some other people came into the mix and we launched sons and daughters. And it was it was one of those things. One of those things where, like, we really didn't know what we were doing. We were just like, let's just do this and see what happens. And so, the official founders were um, my brother Alec, my brother Arden, my wife, and myself. We were the four. And then our other siblings got involved a little later, and we launched it. And God's favor was all over it. And so, it started with some YouTube videos and some random stuff and Instagram posts, and started evolving into this multifaceted experience with events. And now with a publishing arm, and then we started launching different chapters or branches. And we have right now, we have 271 chapters across the world in 58 countries. Didn't know that. And these are, these are sons and daughters who are essentially owning the sons and daughters brand in their respective community. And they're saying, Hey, I believe this is who I'm called to be. I believe that this is an outwork. Like, this is my, this is my thing. This isn't just something that God has given to a few people. This is, this is my thing. This is part of what he's placed on my life. And so our challenge has been, how do we take what God has given to us and the opportunities that we have because of our, our last name being Bevere's and the relationships and the connections that we have, how do we take all that? And we build something not to, to boost our own fame or our own sense of importance, but to give something away that can then mobilize sons and daughters all over the world. That's amazing. Addison, I love the heritage that your family has and is living out and you're leaving mm -hmm. something behind, like you just said. How old has is sons and daughters? When was that created? What year? Yeah, yeah. So it's right now, it feels about four years old. Okay. Uh, <laughs> isn't that weird? It feels about four years old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> because you know there really wasn't like an official launch day yeah. it was very squishy um but it, it became serious about four years ago but it is it's definitely something that goes farther back than that in our own hearts and our own lives and for us like even Arden and I um Arden is the lead of sons and daughters so he's the youngest of the brothers but he's actually the lead of sons and daughters yeah. which is really fun right so I'm the oldest brother but he's the leader of our son and daughters team. So that creates some interesting dynamics and tension that we love leaning into yeah. and it, it makes us all better. Um, but we were talking yesterday about how can we double down on this idea of featuring and platforming, and I hate that term, but platforming sons and daughters who are living this adventure. Mm. How can we be more intentional, more intentional and do that? How can we bring that into 
um, the regular posting schedule and how we're creating content and stuff like that. So it's just, it's something we're passionate about. I think we've all grown up, all of us boys, we grew up in the ministry circles. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but we're not impressed um, with large followings, big audiences. Like for us, like we've, we've been behind those scenes. We've mm-hmm. seen people behind closed doors. Like for us, we're impressed when people love God, love their family, mm-hmm. love their community. They're living the right way in the everyday. We're not impressed with the spectacle or the show. And so our philosophy is how do we empower the, the mystery of the gospel, the promise of the gospel, as it says in Colossians 1 and Ephesians 3, the mystery that is now revealed to the saints. Like, how do we empower that in our everyday lives? And how do we give away ministry so people stop taking this dualistic view of ministry as in either I'm in ministry, I'm not in ministry. Like, we are all called to be the saints, ministers of the gospel. Our lives are supposed to tell that story. We're supposed to be the temple of God where heaven touches earth and we see God's justice and his mercy and his power animating, animated in our lives. And so that's, that's what we're all about. I love it. Well, you can just hear the heartbeat behind the passion that you have for sons and daughters and and why it exists and what its purpose is. And within your ministry at the events that you've had um, from the YouTube channel to podcasting, there seems to be no conversation that's off limit for you guys. (laughs) You're willing to tackle tough, hard, overwhelming conversations that many people aren't willing to have or don't want to have or maybe too uncomfortable to lean into can you just share about like your mindset with this why do you want to create a culture that has true real authentic places for answers to be asked but then also biblically backed up if that makes sense yeah totally so i feel like we're in a season where a lot of young people are deconstructing their faith wow and so if if we're not having the difficult conversations if we're not going there with people, they're going to go somewhere else because there are a lot of things in culture that are encouraging young people to deconstruct faith Mm -hmm. and to build an entirely new construct that has nothing to do with the limitations that um, the faith of their childhood placed on them, whatever, whatever that narrative is, right? Different narrative for different people. I just want Um, to say, Addison, we are experiencing that. In like yeah. record numbers, droves of college students, young adults are, are wrestling and deconstructing their faith. So yeah. I want to interrupt, just had to say that. No, no. And, and it's unprecedented. And I know people like to throw around that, that word, but the truth is because we are the, the young generations, the, the first generations of what we would call the information age, we are inundated with information that encourages deconstruction in mm-hmm. a way that other generations just like, they haven't been inundated with that kind of information the way we are. Mm-hmm. And anyone can be an authority on anything mm-hmm. these days. So it is, it is quite the jungle to, uh, to navigate. Wow. And so my, my passion is I actually encourage deconstruction for the sake of reconstruction, because you can't, you can't live on someone else's faith into that adult season of faith. Like, yes, don't get me wrong. When you are a child, it is appropriate. We are in a sense dependent on our parents when we are children, but we are supposed to move through the seasons of development. We're supposed to move from dependence to independence to interdependence. I think a lot of people get stuck at independence independence, pushing away, pushing God away, pushing their parents away, um, pushing whatever represents their childhood or represents what they grew up with away. And for me, like I encourage people to deconstruct within scripture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people within the progressive Christianity movement, their journey of deconstruction takes them away from scripture. Wow. And then they end up um, believing that there is no God. They end up agnostic Um, or they move into universalism or pluralism or something like that. And so for me, I'm like, listen, let's help people deconstruct their faith. Like, let's be humble about the ways we've missed it um, as a church, as community. And that way people don't feel like it's an either or thing. Like they're, they feel like, okay, Hey, these people are going to be willing to go into the nuance, into the shades with me. And that's where connection happens. That's where trust happens. I'll give you an example. I, um, I did a a podcast where we talked a lot about same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. And, you know, those are topics that people do not want to talk about because they're they're just loaded. They're absolutely loaded. 
And uh, I had a young man reach out to me um, through Instagram, actually, after the interview that I did. And he just said, hey, um, I, I grew up grew up in, a ch- in the church and I've wanted to run away from, from church. I've wanted to reject all this. I was about ready to do it. But then I heard your talk and he's like, I, I, I just... Can I, can we please connect? Like, can we please connect? Like you shared things that I never thought of before. And I I feel like I feel an awakening inside of me anyway. So I ended up connecting with this young man, navigating same sex attraction, navigating gender dysphoria. And we built a relationship and, you know, it's the same. I hear the same story. I know y'all hear it because y'all are, y'all are mentoring young adults. I hear the same story again and again and again and again. And so we started going there. We started having those conversations. We I started explaining to him that everyone's sexuality is broken. Like that's one of the things like that he, he honestly thought like only people who are same sex attract attracted have a broken sexuality. And I said, no, all of us have a sexuality that we have to surrender, surrender to Jesus. Every single one of us surrender to the work of the cross. Every single, I said, why do you think over 50% of pastors in America are looking at porn? Wow. Because they have not learned. They think, oh, wait, because I'm straight, like I'm good. No, we all have a sexuality that has to be surrendered to the work of Jesus. And so just things like that. And he actually texted me a few months ago and he was like, hey, I really want to date this guy, but I can hear your words in my head. Like that's not going to give me what I'm looking for. Like I'm not going to find that in another man or another woman. And he's like, and it has caused me to dig deeper into the person of Jesus Christ as revealed by the spirit of Christ. And he's just t- celebrating like what God is doing in his life. And I mean, these are the conversations that young people are having. They really like, they don't need our Christianese. They don't need our pat answers. Like they need us to go into the nuance and into the shade. I was in a, um, I was at a youth conference, young adult conference a few weeks ago, and we were doing a panel. There are four speakers for the four sessions and the four speakers were doing a panel and one of the panelists just kept giving like pat answers. And I, and I just stopped and I, I just asked him, I was like, what do you mean by this? And I had so many people and I kept asking like, what do you mean by that? Like, because that's a loaded answer and that's going to mean something different to every single person in this room. Yeah. And I think transformation really does happen within the context of relationship. Yeah. And so we have to be willing to go there and not just hide behind our formulas or hide behind our sentiments and our platitudes. Like we got to go there with people and that requires us to venture into some dangerous territory. Well, we appreciate the fact that you're willing to have the difficult conversations with so many young adults that have not so many, almost every young adult has a question. If they're not asking it, they're glad somebody else is asking it for them yeah. in their place. And we just yeah. like this on our podcast. And I love what he said. Um, he said, sometimes we have to do three things. And this we have to learn, unlearn, and relearn something about God and his character, things about us, and essentially things about the word of God, like yeah. what we've yeah. learned, relearned, and unlearned um, because of maybe we've been taught incorrectly, or maybe we've been told the the Bible way, but not the relationship wasn't there, you know? So thank you for going there and being willing to tackle some of these hard, challenging, uncomfortable questions and conversations that make people squirm, but they're all dying to ask. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And I think it's, I think what speaks to me most Addison about that question, like I just asked you and is because I think what I'm hearing a lot on the college campus and in the lives of young adults is hearing this. The questions that I have, nobody's answering. And the messages that they're sharing or the answers that they are giving at the church are to questions I'm not asking. Right. And so I love it. And I, I love your new book, by the way, oh. Sons and Daughters, the debut book. I am, um, I actually read it. You actually, you read it. Yes. It's a pretty easy read, right? I mean, it's the way read. I know a lot of the people, way it's pulled together. Yeah. I know a lot of people post about books, but I actually read it. It's amazing. Wow. And one of the fun things too, is the design. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I read a lot of eBooks, paperbacks, listen to some audiobooks too, but the design mm-hmm. is cooler than any book that I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. So oh, thank you, Josiah. He can take a little more time to grab <laughs> rock or a book and hang out yeah 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 (laughs) that's that's good and you know something that i love about this book and this project and i was sharing this value earlier but if you look at it like look at the book itself it doesn't have an author name 
Isn't that crazy? The author, the author is Sons and Daughters. And what was so cool about this, we actually reached out to our ambassadors and um, we had 29 ambassadors contribute content toward this book. Yeah. And, and so we took, we took our core messaging, our core covenant statements as a Sons and Daughters team. We took contributions from people within the Sons and Daughters community. And we, uh, we wove together a book that does not have a name. It's by sons and daughters, or it does not have an author name. It's by sons and daughters for sons and daughters. And uh, of course the title is I am. And, and we we're having fun with this. I mean, this is new territory to be honest with you. Like, no, we haven't done this before. We don't really, like, there've been so many challenges when it comes to like marketing it and positioning it and owning it. Even it's like, so who do we put for the author? We're like, Oh, just, you know, do sons and daughters. And it's, it's been a, it's been a journey for sure. <laughs> Disrupt the norm. Disrupt the norm. It's good. It's amazing. And we're going to get into it. And I think a great place to start is Addison, what's a declaration and why is a declaration significant in our life? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm at, okay. I'm going to answer that in a kind of a, a different way. So there's a, um, there's a spiritual practice that I think has been lost that I think should be reintroduced our, our generation. And it's the practice of confession. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I know confession has become something weird within certain religious circles, sure. but I want to remind us what confession is all about. So my, my son, uh, my oldest son, I have four kids. My oldest turns 12 this month. My youngest is five. My 12-year-old son, he started doing something. Um, I never told him to do this, but he started doing this thing. And he does this on the regular. He will come to me as soon as I get home and he will start confessing whatever he did wrong that day. Just start confessing. Like he'll go through a list. Y'all. I'm not even kidding. Sometimes he'll do it right when I get home. Other times he'll do it right before he goes to bed, but he will just go through and just share these things. I mean, y'all, some of them are like stupid things. Like I accidentally stepped on a teacher's um, shoe today and I didn't say, sorry. I mean, it's like, And I'm the, I'm the one who's like, Hey buddy, like, that's like, okay. Like, that's great. Um, And and then one day, like we had a more serious moment. It was so beautiful and profound. And um, I was praying afterwards. I'm like, God, like, why, like, why does he, why does he do this? Because we are not legalistic as a family. Like I've never told them like, Hey guys, you better come to me and tell me everything that you did wrong today. Otherwise you don't know what's going to happen tonight. Right. And, and I was praying and God's like, he comes to you because he knows that he is safe with his father. And he knows that you as the father, you have the right to speak over his life and to speak identity over his life. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, that really is God's design for confession. It's not that we come with a laundry list of our wrongs so we can clear the ledger. And so that we come, we come to the presence of God and we say, God, this is, this is what I've done. And I know this is not who you say I am. Mm. I know this is incongruent with who you created me to be, what you've called me to do. I do not want the enemy to be able to take this narrative and weave something different about who I am in my life. So I'm submitting it to you. I'm taking away the power of the accuser. Cause we've got to remember in Hebrew, the word Satan literally means accuser. Like he is the accuser. He will come and he will accuse. And every single liar knows that in order to tell a good lie, you got to put some truth in there. So he will come after us with an element of truth. But when you come to the father and you acknowledge it, you don't let us in the darkness and you take the little bit of truth that he can take and use it against you. And you actually give that to the father. It exposes the truth, the greater truth that overwhelms all the counterfeit truths that he's trying to stick on you. And then the father speaks identity over you. If you look at the two times in the scriptures where the father burst onto the scene and speaks identity of the son, uh, identity of the son, it's the moment of baptism and the moment of transfiguration. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what Asher does with me. And so when we, when we declare, okay, when we, when we partner 
with a declaration that transcends culture, transcends generation, it transcends time. It's a part of the eternity that God has written on our hearts. It's a part of what was, what is, and what will be. When we declare the word of God back to him, we're uniting ourselves with a story that keeps us from living small. That keeps us from only seeing our lives through our failures, through this moment, through what is happening, through what isn't happening. And so we we built this book on this idea of seven I am declarations that are woven all throughout scripture. See, a lot of people, they approach scripture. This is why a lot of millennials and Gen Z are deconstructing scripture. Mm -hmm. They approach scripture as just a handbook. But the reality is scripture is a story. It is a meta narrative of God stooping within the construct of humanity to elevate us into higher forms of covenant and relationship. God is first and foremost relational, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. And this is, this is the story of what it means to practice and participate in that mystery. It is this, if you go back and if you look at Genesis 12, you look at Genesis 15, you look at the promise that God made to Abraham is that all the nations or all the families of the earth would be blessed by your family. Like this is what we today, if you look at the book of Acts, this is what they failed to understand. They were like, so Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And like, he's like, no, actually going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Like this is the story for all the nations. We see the book of Revelation, we see it's every tribe, all the peoples, all the nations, like every tongue, like this is where it's going. And in order for us to partner with a narrative that is bigger than the us first them mentality, their tribalism that, that hits us on the political or the social or the church front, we have got to lean into truths. I am declarations that are bigger than this moment, but also give context and give clarity and give direction for this moment. And so that's what we've done with these seven I am statements, because if we build our lives on these seven things, we are going to know what we need to do and when we need to do it. And a lot of people, they get so confused about identity and purpose, right? Those are the two big questions. And now we've got like this whole movement of people being like, it doesn't matter what you do. The only thing that matters is who you are. It's like, sorry, y'all, Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And the reason why that doesn't work for people, the reason why they're like, no, I know I'm supposed to do something. Like I know I'm called to contribute is because God put that in us. Like that's a part of who we are. And when we talk about splitting identity and purpose, like that's us thinking in humanistic terms. The reality is those two are integrated together. I will say this, however, who we are is different than what we are. I think this is where a lot of people get messed up. Who we are, we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. What we are changes from season to season. What we are looks different depending on our education or our training or our opportunities. And I think as we become immersed in who we are, what we are, what that means for what we need to do, it starts to become clear. And that's our hope because I see a generation that is so confused about its purpose. And I want to give this generation tools to help it move forward. Because our world needs us so to good. own why God put us on the earth at this at this time. Yeah. That's so good. Do you mind if I read the seven declarations on the back of the book here? Go for it. Okay. So they're not I am's, they say you are. So we're listening, we're talking to a listener today. Yeah, you're speaking this yeah. a little listener. Yep. You are creative, you are holy, you are righteous, you are secure, you are called, you are confident, you are loved. Seven declarations. That's right. Speak over yourself every single day. And what I want to lead in lead into right now, Addison, is the you are called. So many of our leaders and listeners, maybe we've been saturated with this word calling. And mm-hmm. whether it's in the worldly setting, in the school setting, in the church setting, whatever that is, I would just ask you this. Um, we're constantly being asked about what is my calling? What is tell me what my calling is. Josiah just met yeah. with a guy. Tell me what to do with my life. Absolutely. That's not Josiah's job to tell you what to do with your life. You're 18 years old. You <laughs> navigate that with the Lord yep. and take yeah. one step of faith at a time. So just kind of put it into perspective. If you're one of those people, don't give one person full control over your entire life aside from Jesus Christ and God himself. <laughs> but Josiah's good, but no one's that good. <laughs> well, and, and I'll just say real quick what I told him. He legitimately said this. He said, you know what would really help me out? 
is if you just told me what to do with my life. And he was dead serious. <laughs> and I go, oh, please be careful so giving anyone that much yeah, authority to speak into your life. I yeah. go, whether it's me or anyone, I go, yeah. I'm an invitational leader. We can create opportunities mm-hmm. that you can participate in. And at the same time, I go, if you give anyone the right to do that and you actually do what they say, you're going to end up with a life that somebody else wanted and you didn't. Right. So yeah. I know. No, you did a great so job. Good. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> but Edison, I would be curious to see how can we discover our calling and step into it? Like, first of all, maybe how would you describe the word calling? And maybe you've written it through the text that you just want to kind of shine some light on for the listener today and for the future reader um, with that term. And how do we actually enjoy it, achieve it, live it out in the adventures God has given us? So I'm going to try to give like a two to three minute answer. I will say this. I did a whole teaching on I am called um, in the I am study. So I go into this in greater depth. Um, there. And that study is actually available for all you youth leaders are listening to this. It's actually available for free um, through sonsanddaughters.tv. So they can access it there. Uh, So I think calling is one of those loaded words um, that we've misused. Uh, One of the things that I like to tell people when I begin this conversation, I like to tell them that your calling is not discovered in a day, a weekend experience, a month, or even over the course of a year, your calling is cultivated through a lifetime of yeah. discoveries. And what, what I tell them too, if it feels like God's not giving you the answers that you're seeking him for, it's because you're not ready for those answers yet. Yeah. And people have a hard time with that. They're like, no, like that's, that's not right. Like I need these answers. And what I tell them is like, listen, God doesn't hide things from you. He hides things for you. And that's just, that's mm-hmm. the way God works. He doesn't hide things from you. He hides things for you. And the verse that I point people to all the time is Proverbs 20, verse five, purpose in the heart of a man is like deep waters, but the man of understanding draws it out. That's an allusion to a well. You don't go to a well one time. You go back to a well again and again and again and again, and you draw it out again and again and again. And so when it comes to calling, I I just, I think people are asking the wrong question. I think the question is, what am I called to do today? Not what am I called to do with my life? What am I called to do today? That's it. That that's it. That's all. That's the question you've got to answer. It's amazing what happens when we're when we're intimate with the day. God gives us He gives us foresight. All right. So let me let me give you let me give you an example of something that happened to me recently when it comes to calling. So I was I was invited to speak at a um, at an integrity music event. Okay. I'm not a musical person. This was a songwriting event, y'all. Like. I don't have, I barely have a musical bone in my body. Right. So, and, so that's not why you're moving to Nashville. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not why I'm moving to Nashville. <laughs> that's true. So I go to this event and I really don't even know what's going on. All I know is that um, one of the executives there, Red Saints, they're like, we really would love for you to come speak into our artists before they go into a, a time of writing song. So I, I went there, I shared, I spoke in their lives through a crazy chain of events. I end up writing two songs with, with a group of artists, right? Like I wasn't trying to make that happen. It happened because I was faithful with whatever God had asked me to do. And I was prepared for those moments. And in those moments, when God says, okay, Hey, you have been faithful in the word. Like you have been faithful in scripture. Like when it's time for you to come in and speak in the lives of these people, you are going to be in tune with my spirit and you're going to be able to speak the things that you need to speak in their lives and do the things that you need to do. When I look at my two mentors, both of them went to school for engineering degrees. Neither of them are engineers today. Okay. One of them was an engineer for two years. The other one never even was an engineer, not even once. And he got his entire degree in engineering. And so I think, I think we get too caught up in this whole idea of calling. Like, it's almost like we want God to give us the answers so we can get on with our life and remove him from the equation. But God's purpose for calling is actually to teach us connection with him. And so if the pursuit of our calling isn't drawing us closer to the father's heart, then we're not going to be in tune with whatever is before us in that moment. And we're going to try to remove God from the equation and just do this on our own. And we're going to make a mess of it. So if, if people could do calling like that, like, listen, God, and y'all need to hear this because 
some of you are going to have a hard time believing what I'm about to say. God does not need you to do what he's put on you in that sense. Like he, he is God. He is God. Okay? I, I just, I just, I just, I just want y'all to hear that. Like I want to, I want to be careful how I say it. He invites you into it. He wants you to enjoy what comes with being someone who co-labors with him. You're not a contractor working for God. You're a co-laborer working with God. Okay. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to experience the joy and the enthusiasm, but really all of this is so much bigger than what we do during this lifetime. Like he is training us to rule for cosmic realities that extend beyond this moment in time that extend beyond what we now know as space time matter. Like it's bigger than that. And some people have a hard time. Like I know I do. I have a hard time grasping that. Um, but that's what he's called us into. That's what he's invited. That's what he's inviting us into. And there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of faith that goes into it. So there you go. Practically speaking, he'll give you the answers. Ask him what you're supposed to do today. He'll give you the answers. It's so powerful to, to recognize that the same power that raised Christ from the grave, the same spirit, the Mm -hmm. same power lives in us. And then we have the ability one day at a time, one step at a time, and uh, it's just a step-by-step, day-by-day. And Well, I think when we live with a heaven-minded urgency, just like true. Addison touched on, we are thinking beyond our 60, 70, 100 years on this earth. We're thinking about eternity. Like what we do now does matter in the sense of what he's going to put us in charge of later. And yeah. how much I'm willing to sacrifice now, my sleep for more of God, my you know, feeding with my baby, we're going to be praying for people during that half an hour. You know what I mean? And really just learning how to utilize and leverage the time that we have on this earth with a heaven-minded urgency to recognize it's not about us. It's about the name of Jesus. And when you have people in a community and you pray for an adventurous spirit and you pray for God's opportunities day by day, I mean, I remember I'd get up every morning and I'd say, okay, Lord, I want heaven to cheer and hell to shake to know that I'm awake. What do you have in store for Mm. me today? I Mm. want to be a threat the moment my feet touch the ground for the enemy's plans, schemes, and his territory to say, Lord, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to be on the winning team and it is finished, but yeah. My work here is not done. Yeah. I'm still right. the breath in my lungs. So when we have this, the word keeps ringing right now is heaven minded urgency to get that lens off of you and that self-serving right. reality of my calling, my fill in the blank. It's not oh. about me and my, it's about Lord, how will you, how will you use what you've designed in me for you and back to you. And that's I think where you find your identity, you claim your freedom and you can embrace that adventurous spirit that God has within all of us. It might just need to be awakened though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's this, there's this gentleman that we know he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He has so many successful businesses. He's done incredible things. Um, He starts every single day with a blank piece of paper. And he, and he just prays like, Holy Spirit, what is today supposed to look like? And the wisdom that God has given to him, the mm-hmm. ideas, the inventions. And that's, I mean, y'all know this. I think it's good for our listeners to hear this. When we talk about calling, we're not just talking about your vocation mm-hmm. or whether you're a pastor, like only people who are pastors or leaders from the church are called. No, we are all yeah. called. In fact, if you look at the Greek word ekklesia, it actually means ek origin and kaleo, which means to call. So if you're a member of the church, mm-hmm. ecclesia, you are called. <laughs> Every single person is called. And that looks different for all of us. And um, we all, but we all get to lean into what God is doing and be led by the spirit of God. It's those who are led by the spirit of God who are the sons and daughters of God, as Paul writes in Romans 8. So there we go. I love it, you guys. And um, one of the, my, I think my favorite chapter was on confidence. And, um, I I was really curious about it and doing some reflection because I'm like growing up, I didn't really have many insecurities. I didn't have a lot of self doubt or anything. And I had this moment, even on this podcast where I go, why is it, or where does that stem from? And I go, wow, when I was growing up, I didn't have social media till I was like at the end of high school. So I wonder quite honestly, that, that where this is coming from is like, you know, the past 
10 or, you know, 15 years then, but I, yeah. I just go, man, there's been moments where I have had self-doubt or I have mm-hmm. compared, or I, my confidence has been in question, <laughs> not with God, but just with myself. And, um, yeah. this, this quote that stood out to me, Addison written by the sons and daughters was this idea of humble boldness. And it says in the, I am confident chapter boldness without humility is nothing but arrogance. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I go, I go boldness without humility is nothing but arrogance. I'd love to have you talk about the challenge that insecurity and self-doubt can be how that sometimes debilitates people, maybe young leaders, myself mm-hmm. included. And then how can we be confident? Yeah, that's, sorry, that's a great question. Uh, the, the short form of that I am statement is I am confident, so I embrace radical humility. And I, I, love, the, I love the juxtaposition of confidence and humility. If you look at, I think it's Numbers 12, 3, Moses writes that he's the most humble man on the face of the earth, right? I mean, you got to be pretty, pretty, pretty confident or arrogant to write the most humble man on the face of the earth. But no, there's, there's something so beautiful about a confidence in who God says we are and living from that place of confidence um, as far as like learning and growing and being teachable. I know for me, when I was, um, when I was a young leader, like in my early and mid 20s, uh, I really struggled with, with my confidence as a leader. I just felt like I was too young mm. and I was leading people who were in their forties and fifties and thirties. And I, I just felt like I was completely out of my water um, or out of my, out of my depth. And so uh, I, I learned though, that when I don't focus on who I am in that season, but I'll instead focus on what God speaks over me and the the tension that's created in my life with leaning into those things that he's, he's promised over me and that I will become. Then I start to see, you know what, this position, it's actually not to prove who I am. Like, I don't need to prove who I am with this position. I actually need to use whatever position I have, whatever authority I have as an opportunity for service. You see, Jesus, he was the greatest. He was the goat. And he used, he used that to perform the greatest act of service. The apostle Paul in um, his letters his letter to Philippi, it's, uh, I think it's Philippians 2, 6 through 11. It's that beautiful poem that is the crux of the entire letter. And it talks about how he stooped so far down. And because he stooped so far down, he could elevate, he could lift up. And so when you start to realize that your confidence really isn't about you being able to look people in the eye or whatever, it's actually about you realizing, man, God has called me to serve, not to prove myself, but because this is who I am. Then you start to look at confidence very differently. It's like, the, when the disciples, when they're arguing about who the greatest was and Jesus responds by, you know, putting on a form of a servant, washing their feet. Like that's just, a, that's such a comical picture to me. What he's showing is saying, look, I am the best. Like he gets up, he puts his teacher robes back on. He takes his position at the head of the table. He's like, I am the greatest. Like I am the one here who's in charge. I am the one here who knows what's going on. And because this is who I am, I can serve in a more profound way than any of you. Wow. And so when we talk about confidence, we have to realize that comparison really doesn't like we're, it's almost like we're measuring the wrong thing when we moved into comparison, because the only thing scripture tells us to outdo each other in is an honor. Hmm. That's it. There's no other competitive instruction in scripture. The only thing is honor. And when you honor other people, that's a form of valuing them. And you can only honor other people when you realize how valuable you are, how how cherished you are, because then you're like, wow, wait, God, the father loves me, calls me beloved, man, like these, these are his children. Like, what does it look like for me to pour out my life? Greater love, have no man than this, but to give his life for his friends. Like, what does that look like practically for me? That awakens a whole new type of confidence. Like I used to get nervous when I would speak in front of people because I made it about me. It was about how I was doing like, did this thing or did that thing work or whatever? Now, when I go up there, like, it's very much just like, God, please, I want to serve these people. However, you, like, you need me to serve them today. I pray that that would happen. I'm not thinking about myself. Right. Wow. 
I'm not, I'm not thinking about myself. Like I am graduating to the part where I'm just thinking about the people in the audience. Right. Like, God, what, what word is the word that you have for them today? Right. And this, this applies in marriage. This applies in relationship with team members, with friends, all of it. When we live with that kind of confidence, because we know who God says we are, we can embrace a radical humility that is disruptive. People don't expect you to act like that. People don't expect you to serve like that. Cause you're not, a lot of people will serve because they need validation. They need to be seen, but you're not doing that. You're serving because you realize God has put something on me. Like he has gifted me to do this. And whether the other person sees it or not, the father, my father in heaven sees this. And so I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love. And it's amazing what happens when we start living like that. And when you do that, you can do that with passion and people, people can recognize like, would they have something that I want? Not, and it's God, that's Jesus Christ himself. That's a relationship with him. And I think that's such an amazing opportunity that every single one of us as leaders have to create opportunities for people who do have those spiritual gifts, who do want to uncover what God has to do want to step into deeper waters and do want to hear the voice of God. Like we just get to point them to Christ. It's not me. It's him. It's not me. And um, we've come to one of our favorite parts, Addison, in the time that we have with you today. We have two final thoughts. Um, Are you up for a two final thought challenge? Let's do it. All right, Let's do it. Ball, right off the bat here. If you could ask Josiah and myself one thing, what would you ask us today? Oh, man. Okay, three and a half weeks. Uh-huh. You guys are three and a half weeks? Yeah. And I saw, what, what has been your moment of greatest tension over these last three and a half weeks? <laughs> we just with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Period, just life. Oh, I mean, introducing baby into the mix, like yeah. what, a, what has been the moment you're like, dear God, we are becoming new people. Delivery week look like. Delivery week was also welcome week for our campus ministry. So oh, wow. I had this moment, I was walking to the hospital, or um, at the hospital, walking to get the car seat to bring back in to go home. And I look and I'm like, it's, it's the involvement fair right now. I just pray, God, as I take care of my family, would you take care of the ministry? So that was one, but then coming home, like I had a C-section and we knew that. So it was planned. And the, the crazy thing is just like, she can't do stairs. She can't lift our 16 month old daughter. So I think the biggest point of tension was navigating all of our emotions combined, the newborn, um, just her recovery as well. And then the emotional and physical needs of our daughter, Aurora to really, she has been my best buddy ever since she has been my shadow. Um, (laughs) she was a mama's girl until we came home with a baby. And, uh, so I think that the, the hardest thing for me was just, wow, it was kind of like a lot emotionally, I guess you could say. Yeah. Oh man, I think for me it's asleep right now. So the little one is getting up every hour, hour and a half. Wants to be held, loves to be held. So it's like, well, I can't sleep with you on me, but I can put you down while you're sleeping, and I'll see you in ninety minutes. So I think just navigating, like Josiah said, a lot of those different tensions, but also like learning how to reprioritize. Seriously, God marriage then children and try to keep that order in a season where somebody else's needs have to essentially come before my own <laughs> you know like oh you need to be fed and changed and bathed i want a shower <laughs> it doesn't matter what i want right now okay once you go to bed i'll hop in and get a two-minute shower it's okay but i think it's just navigating the new norm and finding that new way yeah. and um not ignoring people's needs in the mm. process of mm. helping put to words what they need and identify what we need and lovingly express that to one another. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. That's a lot. Good things. It's a lot. Oh, I'm just glad That's we're not down or have COVID. That's all oh I got to say. Gosh. I'm glad we're not. That would be insanity or it's not winter. It's still nice out. Oh, shoot. Well, and back to you, Addison, for one final kind of closing thought, if you could share a word of encouragement with a young leader who's listening and they're sensing just God drawing them into ministry and um, they're, they're, maybe they're encouraged right now and up, or maybe they're feeling a little bit discouraged and filled with some doubts or insecurities. What would you share with them today? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. The first thing that 
love to my spirit, I would remind them, First Corinthians 13, first attribute of love, love is patient. And I think in those, those seasons where we're just starting out or we're learning the ropes or we're making so many mistakes, we're trying to figure out who we are and what we're supposed to do, it's really easy to grow impatient with ourselves. And I want to remind them if, if, if love is patient, then God is patient. Okay, if God is, as it says in First John 4, if God is the, the perfect embodiment of love, God is patient. Second Peter 3 talks about his patience and the effect that that has on the world and the trajectory of the world. And so I would just encourage them. The father is patient. The father loves you. The father sees you. The father celebrates you. And even kind of along the lines of what I, what I shared earlier about the way my son comes to me, go to the father when you feel like there is a disconnect, when you feel like you've missed it, when there is that internal dissonance, go to the father, articulate it to him and also find someone in your world you can go take long walks with and just be real. Like, mm-hmm. just be real with those people. Share what's going on inside you. I actually read something recently. So the most um, helpful or healthy thing that we can do, even more um, healthy than any form of physical, ex- other physical exercise or eating, is actually taking a long walk mm-hmm. um, with someone who's a trusted confidant wow. and a good friend. A long walk with someone who's a trusted friend or confidant. So I'll, I'll leave them with that. That's great. I just picture leaders getting together and going for a walk, how practical they can talk about the podcast. They can talk about the book they're reading. I am and Addison. What I love about you, my friend, is you are a deep well. In our conversations, our last one, I know you said, hey, N.T. Wright is a great resource. So you know what I've been downloading? Kindle, N.T. Wright. <laughs> and, it's good uh, stuff. Good stuff. His, his work's amazing. He'll really help your listeners um, understand scripture through the meta narrative. Yeah. I, th- I think that's something that N.T. Wright does really well is help us understand the greater story. I think we get lost in a lot of the sub narratives. He does a good job bringing us back to the greater narrative. It's amazing. And a great conversation today, exciting new book project out. And you can find out more about I Am, Sons and Daughters, as well as Addison Bevere when you connect with us in the show notes on the website at Young Adults Today or on social media. But until next time, Josiah and Micah Keneally signing off with Addison Bevere. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.